Hi, and welcome to a new episode of the Good Old Podcast. I'm Jackie Franchuli for Wahoo's 24-7. And if you're watching us on YouTube, you can obviously tell I am on grounds just in front of the McHugh Center and the indoor practice facility. Um, with a shortened week, not only the players had practice on Sunday, but everything is kind of shortened for reporters, too. So since we were here this morning to talk to Des Kitchings and John Radzinski, um, this was a time for me to shoot my podcast as well. So uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you're going to see that I am on grounds. And if you hear some noises, construction noises. It's because they're currently building the new football operations building and uh, you're going to see and hear some of that construction work in the audio as well. So I want to first off by saying I'm sorry. Our Monday show was not being able to publish. Uh, we did a we know we recorded a show game of the game recap against James Madison. And unfortunately, for some reason, the video just kept processing in our system and never went live. So the plan for this show is on the first half, I'm going to talk quickly about the game against James Madison. And then the second half of the show, we'll dive into the main storylines heading into Maryland, including injuries and who's expected to come back and who's not. But also invite Jeff Ehrman, 24-7 um, Maryland reporter who covers Maryland for 24 Seven. He'll break down some of the key storylines for Maryland and kind of give us a, a closer look at the Terps um, as we count down to that game. So before we kind of dive into the JMU game, I want to start off by saying that that game was a very emotional game for everyone involved. So there was a beautiful ceremony to honor Lavelle Davis Jr., Devin Chandler, and Deshaun Perry. Um, it was quite emotional. You had players in obvious tears on the sideline moments before kickoff. So a slow start makes sense now. Once you look at all the emotions that these team, this team went through, you can honestly say they probably buried their three friends one more time by going through that again um, for their honor. But it was a, a very special ceremony for them honoring each of those players. And obviously their memories will always be uh, around everybody in the Virginia and Charlottesville community and um, in the same vein you know there's a lot of that have come out of that weekend you know if you're a Wahoo's 24-7 subscriber you know that there's some quotes out there from Tony Elliott's press conference that maybe were taken out of context um, including the one where he said during the weather delay that the, he was trying to get the players to not play on their phones that's not quite the quote he was asked about the challenges of a weather delay and what he, what you do and he casually just mentioned in a kind of throwaway comment that you might have to tell the guys hey just don't go on your phones we're going to do position groups and something even the players said both Tavon Kyle and Cohen King both quickly said when it was asked um, and Tavon Kyle right after the game because he was asked about the weather delay they talked to their position coaches they didn't play on their phones even Cohen King expanded on that during Tuesday's pra after Tuesday's practice and said listen he just said you know don't go on your show don't put keep your phones out you know, keep them in their bags or what have you, wherever you have your phone. No one was playing with their phones during that weather delay. Everyone was talking about the position groups. Everyone was making sure they were fueled and ready to go whenever that break was done so they can get back on the field. They were focused on what they, now, it didn't happen the way they wanted to, sure, but it, they weren't playing on their phones during that time. So I want to kind of want to stress that, that, um, that quote was taken out of context, and it is not accurate whatsoever. So let's talk about the JMU game. So as always, if you're on YouTube, you're going to see the stat broadcast. So you're going to see the stats appear on your screen. And then if you want to follow along, you can follow along on Wahoo's 24-7. The stats is also available there, so you can take a look 
at that. So, obviously, the big storyline was Anthony Colandrea getting his first start in college. If you see there, he went 20 for 26 for 377 yards, two touchdowns, and one pick. Now, the big thing for him is he showed his ability to extend plays with his legs. I mean, from the big throw to, to Kobe Pace, that was a nice design play by Des Kitchings. Give credit to the Virginia OC. Uh, Virginia OC. That was a nice uh, rail route that he went up the seam, and then Kobe Pace was able to um, catch that ball. And that really shows the vision that Calandrea can bring with his legs because he kept his eye downfield, he went to the sidelines, and was able to connect with Kobe Pace. So very, very good um, play right there. And also another play was of Paris Jones. Paris Jones, that long uh, other run for him. So again, Calandrea was showing his ability to extend plays, which when you have an O-line that again struggled, that was one of the takeaways for the game for us as well. Um, you want to have a quarterback that has that mobility, and he was able to extend some plays there. So good first showing for Anthony Calandrea. We heard about the Florida swag. We heard about the moxie, and it was nice to see that in person um, when you come right down to it. So, But again, it's all about the O-line. It's been like that for, I think, since spring. We've been talking about everything hinges on that UVA offensive line. And it wasn't a great game for that group. Everybody knows that Des Kitchings talked about it a little bit after practice on Wednesday. There were still issues with low snaps. I mean, that fourth, in that fourth quarter, one of the drives you had of the center have a false start. You also had a handful of low snaps, including the one that was that Mike Collins was able to get that fourth down conversion. It was still um, a poor snap under under for the center in that position. So again, they still have to work on that. And also, obviously, pass protection and run blocking is still an issue. Calandrea was still having to make those plays with those legs to to move out of the pocket so that he can make those plays and extend those and get that ball out. And again, when you look at the rushing yards, they only had 18 yards rushing. When you want to cement the run, you need more than that, So, of course. So that's obviously a work in progress. Now, the good thing is we did see some bright spots. Um, Brian Stevens was the second highest graded offensive line in press protection, according to Pro Football Focus. So there has been some things that have improved. Um, the question remains, once Jimmy Crist is fully healthy, as we report on Wahoos 24-7, he wasn't expected to be back as early as he did. I thought he would be back for the Maryland game. More than likely the NC State game, but he was available in an emergency situation. Virginia felt that they needed him in there, so they brought him in. So, of course, he didn't play at 100%. So I feel like his performance should have an asterisk by it. He played right tackle. If you gone on Nana, they kind of switched over that that position. So I'm curious to see what the what the thought process is moving forward. On the O-line, will you gone on Nana move to guard, which is where his natural position is, and then Jimmy Crist will be at right tackle, or those two kind of alternate in that position? Will there be another person coming in at center? So obviously a lot of questions for that O-line as the season moves on because – JMU was able to get four sacks for 31 yards and 10 tackles for a loss for 31 yards. That's not a stat you want against JMU, especially when you have Big Ten competition coming up against Maryland and some tough opponents moving forward. Um, I mean, North Carolina and Miami both have some some good D lines that they'll face in this offense against this offensive line. So again, that will need to improve moving forward. Now we mentioned the run game; they were only able to amass 18 yards on offense, but there were some still good some good things from the running game. One because they were consistent when the running game they did open up the passing play, passing play. So sometimes they know the running game might not be as effective 
in middle of the field. But again, that opened up some passing plays, which is why they were able to um, get those explosive plays because JMU kind of packed the box. So because Virginia was still trying to attempt the running game, so you did allow those big plays opportunities. So that is why you continue to try to run the ball, especially against a JMU defense who is going to pack the box like that. As far as the defense, against Maryland coming up, they need to get better by stopping the run, and they did not stop the run against JMU. who had over 160 yards on the ground. They also need to get to the quarterback more. They only had one sack and six tackle floor loss for 12 yards. So, of course, the D-line needs to put more pressure. One thing that we can say is I think because the news of Sue Agunloe's injury ending his ending his season effectively came at the same time that we were speaking about Tony Musket's injury, then he got lost in the news cycle. His injury is affecting Virginia's defensive line depth. Right now at that one D-tackle position, you're looking at younger guys or guys that can be more versatile. He this is honestly this was going to be Sue's big year. I think this was going to be his breakout year. Unfortunately, and even against Tennessee he was having a good game. Unfortunately, because of his injury, he's going to miss the season, and Virginia is trying to look for more depth at that position. And you might see even freshman Jason Hammond kind of get those reps. Um, and of course, there's still questions in the secondary. I mean, you have a couple of missed tackles, missed assignments, DB's not, um, their eyes not in the position where you want them. So again, some questions in that UVA secondary. And again, this is something that we had expected, um, maybe not to the level that we saw against James Madison, but again, we had questions at the corner position. There's new faces at that position. Obviously, Cohen King has moved to corner. He's done a great job. He's probably one of the most consistent players in that secondary and on the defense. He's done a good transition from safety to corner. Would they want him at safety? Probably right now with Antonio Clary still out for the last few weeks and still a game time decision for Friday night's game against Maryland. They are missing Antonio Clary in that secondary right now, but Again, the secondary will need to improve as, you know, if you, when you look at the game against UNC down the way, the secondary better be in a better space as that game draws near. So as Virginia looks forward to that game against Maryland, they're looking for better O-line play, better secondary playing, and they also need to stop the run while trying to get more of a run game going. So we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to move forward and talk about the Terps and also what are the big headlines moving forward to that game on Friday night. And welcome back to the Good Old Podcast. I'm Jack Franchilli for Wahoos 24-7. The first half of the show, we kind of focused on what happened on Saturday against Jim Madison. Now we're moving forward to the game against Maryland. So let's start with some of the big injury headlines for Virginia. Now the big question, will Tony Musket take over under center after getting hurt in that Tennessee game? And Des Kitching said if he's ready to go, he will be the starter. Both Tony Elliott and Kitchings both said that they don't believe in a starter losing his spot because he earned that spot due to injury. So the expectation is if Musket is ready to go, and both both coaches said that he is full go at practice, doing everything um, that he is meant to be doing in practice. So that means if that continues for the next two days, then he is expected to be the starter against the Terps on Friday night at College Park. 
Now, all the other injuries that we are monitoring include versatile defender Lex Long, linebacker Josh Ahern, and tight end Sackett Wood. All three of those players missed the game at home against JMU. They are all expected to come back for that game against Maryland. Now, Chico Bennett and Jimmy Christ were both players that returned to play against James Madison on Saturday. They both came in, and they weren't 100%. Um, sources had told us weeks ago, and something, again, we reported in Wahoo's 24-7, that Jimmy Christ was looking to come back to the field at around last week. He was still working on his conditioning, so he's much better going into this game um, than compared to JMU. Now, we're still waiting on word on safety. Antonio Clary, who had hurt his ankle during fall camp and has been out for the last few weeks. Tony Elliott said he was a game-time decision, and as of right now, I would say Clary is not going to feature against Maryland, but again, it is still a game-time decision. I just don't think it's a high likelihood that he will feature in that game. But again, we are waiting word on the official word on Clary's status heading into that matchup. Um, other guys that will not feature include cornerback William Simpkins, safety Donovan Johnson, and running back Xavier Brown. All those guys are dealing with injuries that have taken them out for the last few weeks. Xavier Brown was hurt really early in fall camp. William Simpkins should be going back um, to more reps in practice. He was hurt from the beginning of fall camp, and then he was set to come back, but then had an, had an illness, and now he's working his way back into that depth chart. Now, Donovan Johnson had an, also had a surgery early on. He's expected to come back in practice around mid-September, so any day now, he should be getting back into practice. So those are the key injuries going into the big game against Maryland, but as always, on Wahoo's 24-7 and on the good old podcast, we try to bring in someone that knows knows the other team a little bit better. So this week, we're going to bring in Jeff Ehrman from Inside MD Sports on the 24-7 Network. So Jeff is joining us on the phone from Maryland. So Jeff, thanks so much for joining us today to break down the Terps as we prepare for the big matchup on Friday night. Thanks for having me. Well, Jeff, it's been over a decade since these two teams faced off it against each other. Obviously, they were former ACC foes. The last time Maryland and Virginia faced off against each other in College Park, Mike London was the head coach for Virginia. What have you sensed the excitement level of this game is and around the fan base in Maryland? But also, I feel like if you talk to some of Virginia fans, they would love to have this game back on the schedule and have this rivalry renewed more than just once in a decade. Yeah, I think there is excitement for it, you know, partly because Maryland's 2-0, which is expected. They haven't played anybody really daunting yet. And uh, it's Virginia, you know, local rival. Obviously, there's a lot of people in the area. There's a lot of UVA alums and fans. So there's the rivalry angle that has been sorely missing since Maryland went to the Big Ten. You just don't have those kind of games. And it's a Friday night game, so it gives you that big event kind of feel. So I think there is, you know, uh, there is some more buzz for this one than there's been in a little while. Jeff, this game is also relevant in recruiting. As you know, Virginia and Maryland have gone head-to-head to a number of recruits, including very recently for Highland Springs quarterback Christian Martin, who ultimately decided to make his pledge to the Terps. So a lot on the line, as well as what we're seeing on the field. Yeah, that's true. They have competed. You know, there's so many guys. Maryland Trice has really been trying to recruit Virginia harder lately, you know, and and basketball too, for that matter. Not that's related to the game, but they they there's a lot of crossover there. Chance Mallory, obviously, Charlottesville kid, point guard, both of them, 
seem to really want badly. So, you know, it's like I said, it's I think it's refreshing for the fans to have some sort of regional rivalry kind of game because in the Big Ten, they just don't have that. I know I'm going to be all cliche when it comes to reporting on college football, but this game will undoubtedly be a game determined by the men in the trenches. Both Virginia and Maryland have some questions. When it comes to the offensive line, Jeff, when you look at the first two games and that body of work right now, where do you sense Maryland's O-line is? And have you guys seen progress from that group over the first two games? Yeah, there was some progress from Towson to Charlotte. You know, they ran the ball really well, kind of overpowered Charlotte and wore them down in the second half. So that's encouraging for them. But, you know, on the flip side, you can't take that much away from it because it's a lower-level AAC team. You're supposed to do that to them if you're a Big Ten team. So, you know, the question is whether how much it had to do with competition or whether the line is – adequate there's been a lot of questions about the offensive line obviously they struggled in the opener against Towson you know which is a scary sentence for Mike Loxley I'm sure so you know going against a a higher quality team even even while Virginia has struggled uh is a good is a good thing for them they need to see where they stand Jeff, it's no secret. Maryland's going to want to run the ball. Virginia is going to need to stop it. So let's dive in a little bit in that running back room for Maryland. Obviously, Roman Hemby is the one to know in that group. Can you go in a little bit more in detail of that running back room and where things stand there? Yeah, they're really strong at running back. Roman Hemby is a rising star. He had, a, uh, I think, 19 carries for 162 yards against Charlotte. He's a big, you know, a really good big play threat he can also uh play in the passing game he was just second leading receiver in that game so he, he's a rising star almost had a thousand yards last year as a redshirt freshman and then they've got depth behind him Antoine Littleton and Colby McDonald are both proven solid big 10 running backs so there's really no question about the running back situation you know Ramon Brown I guess would be the question mark he's a Some of your listeners might be familiar with him, four-star kid out of Virginia who had committed to Virginia Tech and Maryland flipped on signing day a couple years ago. He's been out, you know, seemingly with an injury. They haven't really addressed it. But, you know, otherwise the the running game looks really good. It's just, again, the only questions are about the offensive line. Jeff, I'm not even going to try to pronounce Maryland's quarterback's uh, full name here, but when you look at his development, anything particular stand out? It seems like he's still trying to find that consistency from what we were able to glance a little bit in that game against Charlotte. Yeah, Talia Tungabailoa has been like, you know, kind of the guy that he's been a lot in his career. Sometimes he looks like a superstar, and sometimes he gets into this kind of seemingly mental fog where he's, uh, a little bit panicked and you know he had a, a bad pass in the end zone that was intercepted intercepted and then a bad pass out of his own end zone that was intercepted for a pick six uh against charlotte so they really need him to be better he's been better at times but they need him to be consistently better moving forward as the schedule gets tougher and also welcome the number of new offensive coaches on this team obviously new offensive coordinator josh gaddis how has the offense changed under him hasn't changed much you know Mike Loxley runs his system he's been running it for a long time he's not changing that the only change is that Gaddis is the play caller uh from Dan Enos who went to Arkansas after being Maryland's offensive coordinator so there's not a lot of huge I think you see less screens Danny Enos loved screen passes 
but otherwise, it's, it's a pretty similar playbook. Now, when I look at Maryland's defense, what you see is namely an experienced defensive back room and then a defensive line group that has a couple new faces. But when you look at it, they seem to have a lot of good depth in there. Um, this maybe just guys not getting some a lot of game time reps, but maybe experience within the program. What would you say is a strength? Is it that experienced DB room or more of that depth at that D-line position? Say probably defensive backs, you know, especially at safety. They have a couple proven guys. Bo Braid is really good, one of the better safeties in the Big Ten. Dante Trader is a really athletic guy, also played on Maryland's lacrosse team. Tarheeb Still is a proven cornerback. They don't have a lot of depth at cornerback. That's the question mark there. I think, you know, you could arguably look at their linebackers as the biggest strength. Jay Sean Barham might have been their best defensive player last year as a true freshman. They've got some other young, talented linebackers. And defensive line is kind of a question mark. You know, they have some talent there, but they lost a lot last year. So there's really no proven guys. So that that's going to be a question mark at times in that in in that in the first two games they got pushed around a little bit for the most part they played well but uh that along you know I would pair that with the offensive line probably is the two biggest question marks we kind of touched on a little bit about the run game for both teams on offense and on defense um what are what do you feel like some of the keys of the game are for Maryland I think establish the run you know obviously Tungabailoa needs to be better and make better decisions but Virginia's run defense has not been good you know, this is a chance for Maryland's offensive line to kind of assert itself. Uh, you know, Virginia's giving up a lot of points, so the offense really has no excuses for not having a big day. And you know, I think the defense has been good all around. They should be they should be fine. Obviously, it's a bigger test for them, especially up front. As I said, the defensive line still a question mark. But you know, I think with Virginia still kind of in rebuilding mode. Uh, if Maryland can assert itself on the offensive line, get the running game going, and, and Tunga Vailoa can be more consistent with his decision-making, then they should be in pretty good shape. Jeff, we can't let you leave here without doing your prediction. What are your predictions for the game? Uh, you know, I think what I told you was 38-17 on, on our Q&A. I think that's somewhere in that range. Maybe I'm overstating Maryland's prospects, but um, – you know, I just feel like the two programs are kind of at different stages in, in their roster building right now. And Maryland's got one of its most talented teams that it's had in quite a while. And Virginia's obviously struggled some of those numbers, though, as you you know, as you said to me earlier, uh, Virginia's defensive numbers, some of those are inflated by playing Tennessee, a really tough opponent. So, you know, maybe they're misleading, but I think Maryland should win comfortably. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for joining us on the show again for, for breaking uh, Maryland Downs. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Well, of course, if you want more information on Maryland, go ahead to go to InsideMDSports.com. It's 24-7's Maryland site. They have you covered for a lot of the information that you would need from Maryland as UVA prepares to head to College Park on Friday. And we will also be at College Park on Friday night. We'll have you full game coverage from right there. So we'll have plenty of updates, video coverage, and everything you need to know from the game. And as far as my prediction goes, I'm going to have to join uh, Jeff here and say that I'm picking Maryland over Virginia. I think there's a lot more questions when it comes to UVA especially when it comes to that big battle in the trenches. Like we mentioned on that ba- on the breakdown, uh, Maryland's D-line, um, maybe new faces, but they have experience as far as just game experience. And also, they have some good depth there. And the questions on the O-line still linger. 
So they need to improve, and I think they will. I just don't think they'll improve quick enough to face Maryland on the road. And with that Big Ten size, I think uh, Maryland can uh, get the win in their home. So for Jeff Ehrman, I'm Jackie Franchuli for Wahoos 24-7. I hope you guys have a good rest of your week, and we'll be back here on Monday.